legacy means a lot of things to a lot of people. To some, it's lasting integrity. It's building and maintaining a history of greatness. It's making an impact on people and community. For others, it's dependable security and assurance in an uncertain time. To us, it's all of that and more. It's a mindset of brother and sisterhood of hardworking people dedicated to doing the right thing for you and those you care about. Of growing today for a better tomorrow. That's what legacy means at Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group. What does it mean to you? Let's talk legacy. Hello, I'm Gary Michaels, one of the founders of Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, and welcome to Let's Talk Legacy. I'm really, really excited to bring on Mr. Bill Madlock. And Bill, I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro here. You, you got quite a resume. In a 15-season career as third baseman for six Major League Baseball teams, Madlock, nicknamed Mad Dog, compiled a 305 batting average with 2008 hits, 163 home runs, and 860 RBIs. and was a three-time All-Star, including one All-Star Game MVP honor. Madlock won four National League batting titles, one of only three right-handed hitters to have won multiple National League batting titles since 1960, and the first player to win multiple batting titles with two different teams. He's also a World Series champion with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1970. So let's get right into some questions, Bill. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. So let's go back to high school. That's a long time ago. It is. And you excelled in nearly every form of athletics offered, playing basketball, football, and baseball. You received 150 scholarships offers, which is amazing. As a basketball player, around 100 for football, but only two for baseball. What made baseball special for you, and why did you decide to pursue that over other sports? Well, I guess because we had a minor league baseball team in Decatur, the uh, Decatur Giants, and I got a chance to be around some of the uh, ball players back then, Vita Blue, uh, George Henricks, and uh, they talked to me, and I enjoyed what they always said. You know, they enjoyed the game, they enjoyed the traveling. Obviously, it was tough in the minor leagues, but uh, they were doing something that they loved. Vita Blue, I'm sure you have many stories with Vita Blue, huh? All right. Not only have I seen him way back then, I was teammate of him in San Francisco. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you had an impressive Major League Baseball career, which I know people tell you all the time, including those four batting titles, All-Star MVP award, and, and a World Series title. On a list of such great accomplishments, which one of those means the most to him? Maybe there's been some other accomplishment that even means more. Well, I think for us baseball-wise, it's uh, winning the World Series because I started out with uh, San Francisco in 79 in last place, and I ended up being a World Series champ uh, with the Pirates. And, you know, I got a chance to be a teammate of guys like Dave Parker, uh, Willie Stargell, Randy Stanton, who uh, passed away, you know, not too long ago, Manny Sanguin. So that was a great team to uh, be around, and that was a lot lifelong friendship with those guys that I played with in uh, Pittsburgh. You also had the opportunity to play internationally in the late 80s. What was the appetite for baseball like in Japan compared to America? Was the competition more? What what was the difference in the two? Well, the players uh, were a lot smaller back then. They don't have nobody like the guy from uh, California Angels. You know, this kid is 6'5", 200-some pounds. He's just amazing uh, ball players. you know. They basically played small ball back there. You know, we had two-to-one games, three-to-one games, and uh, they were just very, very slow game down there, you know. But, you know, since Ichiro and all those guys, uh, players are getting a lot better now. <laughs> a lot better to their, uh, you know, guys who went to... Uh, 
not only Ichiro Musu, who played for the Yankees. Uh, those guys are really good ball players. And matter of fact, it's a lot easier for them to come over here now because they don't have that money that they're paying, you know, to talk to the players like they used to. So you're going to see a lot more international players from Japan, uh, Korea, Taiwan. So, you know, just seeing a lot more every year. Is there a different type of work ethic internationally? <laughs> uh, that's that's an understatement. It's a 24 hours a, a day workout schedule for those guys. Those guys uh, never stop. You know, they're six or seven hours uh, every day. So you had your time playing baseball internationally with so many different clubs and winning and losing seasons. But it is a whole different thing being a coach and being a leader. That's a whole different giant when you're coaching people. So you had a highly successful coaching career, too. You know, I, you know, I coach, uh, you know, for Detroit, uh, and I was in the Boston organization. I was in Detroit, but uh, one big thing different, you know, when I played, my job depends on what I did. And the biggest thing about coaching now, your co- your job depends on what other people do. <laughs> right. And that's what's the, you know, toughest thing about, you know, they always, you know, like, you know, like I, I played for the Dodgers. I think Tommy Sorter was one of the great ambassador of baseball, but he always had a great coaching staff too. So, you know, you know, it, just like any business, the people below you, who's going to help your business, business run. You know, I know my success depends on what they do too. Right. And it's interesting because there's a lot of statistics around this, that there's only four things you can control in life. We think we can control everything, but we can control what our attitude is, right? We can control yeah. what our self-talk is, what we're saying to each other. We can control what we put on our calendar, right? Like when we're going to be somewhere, what we're going to do, and then, you know, actually what we do. But we want to control people. Our natural instinct is to control people. We can't. We can only inspire them. So how how have you been able to, over the years, coaching in Panama and Taiwan, and how do you inspire these people when you can't do it for them? <laughs> you just hope they listen, you know, you know. Good thing about Panama, I met my wife down there, and, you know, that was a, that was a good thing down there. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is, you know, now if you tell the kids you did something, it's very easy for you to check on, check up on, you know, because they just get on their phone and say, yeah, you know, this guy did this, this guy do that. And I think that's one thing, you know, about your success. It carry on to them too. You know, I, you know, I see other coaches, I call them internet coaches. You know, they go on the line. They never went through what I go through or some of the other major league players went through. That's why it's very important for you know, especially major league players or guys who played in in the minor leagues too, you know, to be honest to the kids and, you know, and go out there and really help them, really talk straight to them because they just don't believe you at what you say. You know, they it's a little, little tougher now. They're a little smarter now. You know, they got, you know, social media. So you really have to take your time with them. You just can't be in and out on them like you could before. Right. And was that a tough transition for you? I see it a lot in professional sports when someone gets out of the game and they either move to the coaching side or they move to the broadcast booth and they want to stay in the game in some ways. And being on the other side of it, and it's been a while for you now. Yeah. Um, how do you experience sports from a coach's perspective as opposed to a player's perspective? Well, when you first get out, you really, really miss the, miss the game. Cause yeah. You obviously think you still can play. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Like I say, the difference is coaching. Your job depends on what other people do, you know. And I guess, too, you find out that it's a lot tougher to get a job <laughs> when you get out. Because, like say, you know, I think most players, you know, successful players who think they should always be in the game. And all of a sudden, uh, 
nobody won't call you back. So that's just, you know, that's stuff that you go through that part of retirement. I think everybody go through that four or five years. I always said about if you can get past that first four or five years, you're, you're okay. Because like you wake up, you know, in the spring, you don't want to go to spring training, you know, tough to watch baseball games. But, you know, after, you know, after, you know, a few years, you just settle into, you know, father, being a husband, and then, you know, and that's, you know, important to you there, you know, it's uh, baseball has been your life since you was six years old, basically, then all of a sudden it's, it don't mean anything unless you watch the game, and all of a sudden you say, hey, I can help people, I can help kids, I can help parents uh, by coaching, by talking to them, by, you know, going around the country, inspire them to uh, be a better coach, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, be a you know, better parents because, you know, some parents are pretty tough on their kids at times. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that are business-minded, professional-minded, the type of person would listen to a podcast like what we're doing right now are the type of people that have an ego. And I don't mean ego in a bad way, ego in a good way. Okay. And how has that transition been over the years to being somebody that probably has mics in your face every day and all the media stuff and all the stuff that comes along with being a, a professional. And then you're not on film all the time. You're not on yeah. television. <laughs> what's, what's that like? Oh, uh, you know, like you say, after a while you, you get used to it. That's the whole time is, you know, time, time, take care of everything, you know, sure. So, you know, you look at some of the guys who, especially at the beginning that, you know, get coaches jobs or get manager job or get stuff like that. And you said, gee, how do they get it? You know, and, and then all of a sudden you say, hey, that's just, just what it is. Because baseball is a very, very strange game. It's not like football. It's not like, uh, you know, basketball when, you know, when you're coaching and stuff, you know, especially for minorities, you know, because there's very few minority coaching, especially black and the game of baseball. You know, the game is uh, basically taken over by land players. And I guess you, you need a land coach who can at least communicate with them. So, you know, when I try to get a job, they ask, oh, do you know Spanish? No, no. In oh, the but I'll learn, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they asked me for my resume. I said, I'll send you my baseball card and look on the back of it. It's just different in baseball than it is in other sports. You can see by coaching and, you know, some of the ownerships. And the money's different, too. That makes a big difference right there, too. Sure. So in you, what you're doing now at Vegas Valley Batters Box, and for those of you who don't know, Bill runs a batting cage and coaching program in uh, Henderson, Nevada. Is there some sort of mission or, or creed or some overriding aura or something that you're trying to create in your business? Well, with the kids, I just enjoy yourself, you know, and, you know, have fun. Because, you know, life, like say, you know, it's a little different. I grew, grew up, you know, and they, they put a lot of pressure on the kids. You know, just like when you said at the beginning, I had the opportunity to play basketball, baseball football now these kids are just uh one sport it doesn't matter you know not only mindset body wise they they get run down and sometimes parents put a lot of pressure on that you know i take i try to take a little bit of pressure off them because they, you know playing baseball for eight nine months a year and then do the same thing with other sports you know that that's tough for them not only mentally and physically you know because you're using the same muscles Every time. And I think the parents uh, don't realize that. And, you know, I think, too, you know, they want every 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 kid to go in there. obvious want to be a major league player. But when I tell the parents, I say, I said, when they leave there, work with me, they'll be a better person. and They'll be a better player. And I said, I'm not going to say they're going to be, a, a, you know, go to the big leagues or do that. But they're going to be a better player than a better person. Yeah. So 
this is a very simple question, but a, a very important question based on what our, our podcast is all about. What does the word legacy mean to you, Bill, in general? Well, I think when I first got out, you know, it was different. Like, so I'm getting up in age, you know, like I said, that, you know, I, you know, forced what I did on the field, you know, my kids, my wife, they know that. When I leave here, I leave this here, I, you know, I want something to be there for them, you know, to be, you know, comfortable, you know, I want them to live the same lifestyle that they're living now. And I think that's, that's important to you. The older you get, the more important you look into it. You know, I think that's a major legacy, you know, not, not just on the field. I want to leave the legacy off the field too, you know, because, you know, every, you know, they can always look at what I did on the field. <laughs> yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I think a lot of people, when they think legacy, they think, what did that person bring to this world? When they're gone, what kind of a lasting impression? How do you want to be remembered? Well, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here, you know, uh, my wife's over there and, you know, my kids are, are healthy. So I'm, I'm happy. I, w- I want to know, you know, that I had fun playing the game. I had fun uh, teaching the game. A good coaches can change a game, but a great coaches can change life. So how was your coaching career, both professionally and now at Vegas, the LA Batters Box, helped you in, in shaping your own legacy? as well as others you instruct. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, I think, you know, because you were a good player or a great player or a mediocre, that don't mean you're going to be a good coach. You know, just, you know, you got to work just as hard at being a coach or being a communicator as you do as playing the game because, uh, you know, obviously you got to com- communicate with the kids that you do, you know, and, and I always said about the younger the kids are, the more I have to uh, talk to them, you know, like say, you know, I, you know, I've been fortunate to work with Manny Ramirez, uh, Juan Gonzalez, you know, Carlos Lee, you know, and th- those are major league players. But every time I step down to the minor leagues and stuff, you got to be able to know how to communicate a little more. Right. These guys up there, you're talking to the best. Then all of a sudden you, you go down, you talk to guys who want to be the best. Then all of a sudden you're down to 12 and 13 year olds. You might have to, like, I might spend, say, one word with uh, Carl's Lee. Uh, and then, you know, then when I'm down there with the 12, I might, might have to spend the whole time talking to the uh, the younger guys. And, and I think that's one thing, the big difference right there. And, I, you know, I t- took my time and I know how to communicate with both boys and girls, you know, for the game itself. How would you summarize your own legacy as a baseball player? Is that different from how you describe your legacy as an individual? How would you like to be remembered as a baseball player? How would you like to be remembered as a coach? How would you like to be remembered by your students that you currently work with and you've worked with over the years, the kids and the adults? And then how would you like your family to remember you? Well, that's a, you know, I go with the, you know, in baseball, you know, I know people say, geez, when he went on the field, he put everything out there, you know, to win, you know, he would do whatever it takes to win a ball game. I know I, that's the reason I got my name Mad Dog, because I was kind of angry after on the, on the <laughs> and, you know, as a husband, as a, um, a father, you know, I want my kids to, gee, I, you know, I could always come to him for any problems I have, you know, because, I, I, you know, I have three boys and um, and one girl, you know, and obviously, you know, when you have one girl, you know, you know, whatever their problem is, they say, gee, I can come in and talk to, talk to him, then I would never turn my back on him. And I think my wife would, she would say the same thing. And then with the kids that I uh, work with, I want to so say not only they learn a lot about baseball, 
they learn a lot about life itself and how to succeed because it's, it's not easy out there now because, uh, you know, in this world, we're going through some trying times. So, you know, I, and I think I helped them through that. And I charge for my lesson, but I do a lot of kids who in a situation who can't pay, I do them for nothing too. So it, when the kids uh, go the way to college, I tell them, you know, if anything come up, if you need to talk to me, you know, feel free to call me anytime, you know, and, and I'm there for them. And I, and I think that's the whole thing, you know, especially freshman kids, you know, they going away from home from the, you know, for the first time. So I say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm here for you, you know, but there's sometimes, you know, you talk to your coach, you talk to other people, you know, but I, you know, I, I want to be able to talk to me about, you know, their success, uh, their failure, because, you know, especially baseball, I keep on telling baseball is a, a game of failures. You got to learn how to fail before you succeed. And, you know, that's the toughest thing for kids to do, but I said, that don't mean you're not improving, you're not getting better. And I think that's uh, one thing that you got to instill in the kids right there. Yeah, I know that getting paid isn't the most important thing. We always get paid yeah. in life. Sometimes today, sometimes tomorrow, mm -hmm. sometimes next week, next month, next year, if these things are in place. And tell me if you agree with me on this. You have the right attitude, the right heart, the right work ethic, the right skill set, and the right servants-minded attitude. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. I've been very fortunate. I have banners of the kids that I work with, both boys and girls, uh, where are they at now? And probably I would say 80, 85% of them are going on to college, you know, and a few of them are graduating, you know, that's the best satisfaction right there. You know, I go in, I look at those posters and I said, they just didn't stop there. And, and I hope I had a, you know, some type of hand into it for them to keep for their career, not only in baseball, but, you know, education wise too, you know, not only, you know, very few of them, uh, will play, uh, Major League Baseball, most of them, you know, just going there for the fun, going there, getting a uh, scholarship so their parents don't have to pay. And that's what I want to do, make it easier for their parents to send their kids to college and, you know, seeing all those posters up there. And to me, that's a success because, uh, you know, I had my time. I had my time. Right, right. You know, in the big league. So it's, uh, so I'm here to help the kids. There's that expression, I think, that if you help enough other people get what they want, You'll get what you want, but I think we help other people just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. And it's fun too, you know, that, that helps me, you know, you know, doing that, I'm not sitting around doing nothing, you know, I'm letting my knowledge go to the kids. And like you say, I, I just hope it make a difference in their life, not only early life, you know, after baseball, after college, and I hope they, you know, something that I said to them, they can take in a positive way. So when I first met you over the phone that I had a chance to meet you and get your life insurance set up here at Southwestern Legacy Insurance. And how did it make you feel, Bill? When I called you back and said, you're all set up, your wife's protected. How you know, it felt good because like you say, you know, uh, I wish I was going to be around forever, you know, and, and, right. but, but did not, you know, you, you want to leave, uh, you know, something for your wives, you know, something for your kids and everything, you know, and, and I, I felt good. I said, that's the part I don't have to think about right now. <laughs> you know, you know, I could you know, just, just go on, you know, and, and that's what you want to do. You want, you know, that, that eased my mind. That eased my mind when I got that part of it to settle. Well, and it's interesting because when I'm out there talking to people every day, what happens when you purchase life insurance, you're taking that risk and stress of finances after you pass off of your plate and you're putting it on the insurance carrier's plate. But that carrier now, that company now has a 
fiscal responsibility to take care of your family because you're doing your part of putting the money in every month. That must feel good to not have to, like you said, wear that on your yeah, plate anymore. You don't have to have that on your shoulder. You know, you can go out. That's one less thing you got to think about, you know. And like I say, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, we have had a lot of stuff to think about. <laughs> so that's just one less thing. Yeah. So last question I have for you. When we're talking legacy, if you could give one piece of advice to the listeners out there of how to live your life in a way that you're leaving a lasting legacy, what would be your biggest piece of advice? Well, that that's a tough quote. You know, everybody is different. Everybody going through different things, you know, and uh, everybody going to go through different stages. You know, they're going to go through good times, bad times, medium times and stuff. But, you know, if I wake up and I'm smiling, that's that's good for me right there. Well, thank you for your time today, Bill. Uh, really appreciate it. Good luck to keep your business rocking and rolling. Thank you for your time today. I'm Gary Michaels. Have a great day. And remember to always turn it up a notch in your life. Always try to get better. If you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn more, visit us at southwesternlegacy.com slash action. Shoot us an email via our easy contact form to find out how you can become an agent or how we can meet your needs for final expense coverage. You can find this and other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Let's Talk Legacy is a presentation of the Southwestern Legacy Insurance Group, a member of Southwestern Family of Companies.